You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with Natasha over here in Calgary where the sky is finally blue. Finally, finally blue sky out. It's been smoky here. I've mentioned it a few times for like three weeks, maybe a whole month. Um, The blue sky is back. So I'm very happy to see that. How how are things with you over in Toronto? Everything is great. It's It's been hot and rainy which is a rare combination, right? So usually the rain cools everything down, but yesterday I was outside and it was like 35 degrees and pouring, which is a kind of a strange phenomenon. Uh, but no, everything is good uh, in, in Toronto. So wait, so the, the skies are blue. Does that mean wildfires are ceasing or slowing down? Or is that good news on the kind of wildfire front? Or is that just that's, wind? No, that's a great question. I mean, I don't, I'm assuming so, yes. Or at okay. least the wind has changed the other direction, one or the other. Uh, but I was on a little bit of vacation last week, actually. I went nice. to Vancouver on Friday. Uh, it was smoky when I left, and when I returned, there was blue sky. So I don't know what happened in those three days, but I'm happy to see the blue sky. I, I'm assuming the fires are there a little bit, but hopefully they're they're going down. But I got to say, I, I don't know how much, spend to, um, how much time you spend in Vancouver. I haven't been there for probably five or six years, but man, I love it. Every time Such a cool city. I go, it's, I guess... Obviously, it's different from the prairies. That's not saying anything new there, but just the ocean and the trees. Such a cool vibe. Yeah, I could spend... And the mountains and stuff, right? Just, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And it actually, being downtown a little bit, it was really busy and there was a buzz going on and it made me miss Toronto a little bit in that moment because Calgary doesn't quite have that buzz downtown, but Toronto... Toronto was moving and shaking and the weather was great. And yeah, Vancouver... You know, I haven't been there in a few years myself and, you know, I have a ton of family out there, so I know it well. I've spent a lot of time out there and I, I will agree with you when you, when you first land and you get to, you know, you cross any of those bridges that go across the, yes. the, uh, the water there bridges. and you see the mountains in the background. It is, uh, it is a, a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous city. Um, but, uh, but no, it's, uh, and, and, and to your point, it, I, I love the, I love the downtown vibe of Vancouver. It's different from the other major Canadian cities, right? It's got a, I don't know what the different, I don't know how to describe it, a, a, a cooler, hipper, I, I don't know what it is. Um, but it's got a different feel to it. And, uh, and I totally dig being there. Uh, but also to your point, Toronto is picking up again as well. I was, I was down out and about in the city over the last, over the weekend, especially. And you definitely notice, um, a kind of reinvigoration of the streets, um, which is awfully nice, right? People walking around and people enjoying the patios and it's nice to have a little bit of normalcy back. Yeah, and I heard the weather was good. I mean, you said it was raining, but I heard it was a good old heat wave, which I miss that too. I miss the humidity out there, I have to say. I kind of love it. It is uh, it is hot, so you would enjoy it uh, out here right now because I think we're sitting at about 35 or something oh. right now. Um, yes, yes, very, very hot. So uh, what took you to Vancouver? Was it just... Was, yeah, vacation. So I was supposed to go to Kelowna with okay. some family from Edmonton to visit cool. other family in, Edm- in Kelowna. But because of the fires and the smoke, we just thought it was... We just pivoted. We changed our we changed our plans. We went to Vancouver instead, which I think was the right choice. So the best kind of vacations are those pivoted vacations, aren't yes. they? When you just kind of freestyle a little bit, yes. see how it goes. 
Very good. Have, Did you uh, get a chance to watch any sports while you were on well, vacation? <laughs> I was heading in that direction, topic wise. Nice. And I was going to say, because I was on vacation, unfortunately, I did not watch a lot of sports. I missed the first week of the CFL. I have to be honest. Um, I didn't see a lot, but I did watch the highlights. I've been reading up. Very good. It's exciting. It's, it's good to see the CFL back. Uh, we are going to have... Uh, the commissioner later on, Randy Ambrosi. He and I are going to amazing. To Jet, but I'm going to speak with him later, which is awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to him. I'm sure he is super pumped to see the product Absolutely. back on the field. I watched a couple of games on Thursday, and admittedly, I ha- in the past haven't been the biggest CFL fan necessarily. I've you know I've always been a bit more on the NFL side, but that changed over the you know didn't play last year obviously, but the year before in 2019, I did start tuning in. But can I just say that the 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 pageantry and the passion that came along with that opening game on Thursday uh, gave me goosebumps. I loved it. I, I I was I would consider myself a CFL fan now. And I watched the game on Friday. I watched a little bit on Saturday as well, so I can pick up the because I actually did get a chance to watch some of the games. But uh, I will let me commend the CFL because I can't talk to Randy myself on uh, on the whole experience. It was really cool. It was exciting, uh, and again, it was it was it was passionate is the way I would I would describe it most. Yeah, I mean, CFL fans, you they're hardcore. You can't go back, you know, the, the attendance. We'll see what it's like this year. Um, I think there's a few protocols, I think, that are different depending on which province you're in. So I'm not sure how the numbers work in each province. I'll have, I'm going to ask Randy about that. But TV ratings were up for the season opener. I read 31% from the last two years. So that's a good sign. Uh, but yeah, to have it back is great. Uh, I feel like a good story right out of that first game, of course, was Nathan Rourke, the Canadian. What a great story. Getting the start over Michael Riley, who I, I guess we used to call him Mike Riley. Now wants to go by Michael. So that's going to take stupid. Nathan <laughs> Rourke got the start. They didn't win the game, but, um, we'll see if he gets another start. It sounds like, it sounds like he might. Which it's, is- it's always good to have a you know a, a good young Canadian start in the game. Now I know the, the game started a bit rough uh, uh, rough for the Lions. I think they were down twenty eight nothing and down thirty two something in the, uh, at the end of, at, at halftime. But uh, but look, I, he threw you know he threw a seventy five yard touchdown, which must have been an amazing uh, amazing feeling for him. And that that game was one of the ones I watched. And man, that second half was amazingly exciting. Yes, uh, I think yeah, I think the Lions outscored the scored them twenty to one in the second half and almost pulled off this amazing, amazing, amazing comeback. Uh, and it definitely added to the excitement of, you know, the overall weekend having that, that, that kind of passion towards the end of, uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, we always talk about a little bit of betting here, but all the underdogs won uh, through the course of season uh, of the first week, which is kind of interesting. and doesn't really, really happen very often. Yeah. All four underdogs went four and zero, including uh, the Toronto Argonauts beating your hometown Calgary Stampeders, okay, which was well, uh, the well. under the underdog Toronto Argonauts, who were a plus two fifteen, I believe, uh, underdog, and we could talk a little bit more about that. But that's essentially a two to one underdog, uh, and we, uh, I will say, we, our Toronto team beat your Calgary team, which I was very proud of, and I wanted to bring that up right away. Right. Okay, but I got to stop you because I the Stamps are not my team. You know that, right? We just have to. <laughs> I don't know if you were doing that on purpose or not, but the Stamps. Are not my team. I don't think. Okay. Everybody in Calgary, please pay attention to what (laughs) Natasha just said. The Stamps are not her team. This is nothing new. They'll be fine. I don't think fans like it when you just switch allegiances just because you need to. 
city. I think they should respect me that I'm sticking with my Edmonton Elks, which I still can't say. I don't Edmonton Elks. Yeah. I said Eskimos twice on the weekend and I was like, ah, man, got to say Elks. Got to say Elks. Um, And I love the Elks. I love the logo. I love everything about the brand. I love uh, the kind of the the newborn fascination with them. I love it, but uh, it's still a bit of uh, tough to get used to. So you are an Elks fan. That's, I'm that is your CFL team. Okay. Yes. Okay. Who, by the way, also lost. So that's not yes, good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the losers, which I, I mean, well, let's, let's talk about your, um, your quarterback there, McLeod Bethel Thompson. Do yes. you think he can, he can pull off another explosive performance? I, I, what he, I, 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 three over 350 yards, two touchdowns uh, over the stamps. Can you keep that rolling? Uh, you know what? I, uh, I really hope so. Um, I know they're taking on the blue bombers, uh, this Friday night in, uh, kind of in Winnipeg. And, uh, again, I got a chance to watch that game and that blue bombers defense, I think is Willie Jefferson is the one guy's name. Holy, that guy is a monster. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. Right. I mean, in my kind of my, one of my complaints, let's call it about the CFL in the past has been, uh, the lack of running and the lack of defense. And I can say that was put in my mouth because that game I watched with the Ticats and the Blue Bombers, they had a running back, uh, Brady Oliveira, ran for 126 yards, which I didn't know really happened in the CFL that often. But man, that guy is he's shifty and he's fast. Uh, and then on the defensive side, Willie Jefferson is, uh, again, it's, it's, the guy is uh, looks like a man amongst boys out there. And I can see why he was the, I think he was the defensive player of the year uh, in 2019, most recently. And it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch. So we'll see how uh, how the Argos can do against that defense, against that vaunted defense. But uh, I think it's going to be a great game, and I will be tuning in for sure. Yeah, I think defense for sure has been a little suspect in the CFL at times, but you don't need to worry about running backs. There's a ton of amazing running backs. You will see some good runs frequently. There are very much so. Even that Brady Oliveira, I know he's replacing uh, another guy, Andrew Harris, I believe, was the starting tailback for uh, for the Bombers and who was apparently kind of a franchise player. So to have your second string running back come in and perform like that, yeah, uh, it was really it was it, it was exciting to watch, and again, added a different dimension to the CFL that I didn't necessarily know. Again, from being maybe a more casual fan in previous years uh, to actually watching a full game, I did get a, a new appreciation for the running and defense that occurs in the uh, in the CFL, and also the the pre stat motion of the wide receivers mm-hmm. uh, is is awesome. I, 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 it's it's a really it adds again a different level, uh, a different dynamic to uh, to kind of the whole the whole snap process of uh, of football. So it's, I'm starting to enjoy it a lot more and I'm appreciating the CFL our three down game a lot more than I was before. Yes. Cool. Okay. We'll be chatting about it uh, more on this podcast, obviously. What do you think? So this week, I mean, it's a shortened season. There's only 14 games instead of 18 because of COVID. So, I mean, every year it's like, Ooh, you can't go down. Oh, and two, which teams are going to go down. Oh, and two. Right. But already, um, so Stamps, Elks, Lions, and Ticats all lost. Yep. The Lions and the Stamps play each other. So somebody is going down 0-2. Can you imagine the Stamps going down 0-2? Like, I mean, that's, <laughs> I that, that's, that, that, that's interesting, right? I mean, I was yeah. kind of envisioned the Stamps being that uh, such a heavy favorite the first week. Uh, if they go down 0-2, that would, uh, yeah, I mean, that would, given the shortened season, as you mentioned, that would really, really kind of put them in the hole to start with. So it'd be interesting to see how, uh, how the intensity of that game plays out. Well, and you'd think with Bo Levi Mitchell quarterbacking for the Stamps, he would not allow that to happen. And especially with maybe the um, the questions about who will start for BC, that's a bit of a question mark for them. So I, I'm, a, I'm, I like I said, I don't know much about betting, but I'm going to assume Al that the Stamps uh, are picked to win in this one. I'm no expert, Al, but that's my assumption. Is that is that what's going well, on? Well, 
Obviously, you are a bit of an expert because you are bang on. The Stamps are currently a seven-point favorite over the Lions. Um, uh, so it's you know, they're, they're, they're a strong favorite, as we would call it in the world of football. A full touchdown favorite would be considered a strong favorite. Uh, and just uh, the, the over-under, the total for that game is sitting at 47 right now. So there is a, an assumption that some of the, the lack of offense that we saw in week one will come back in week two. I mean, teams like the Ticats scoring six points and uh, yes. even the, you know, the, or the Blue Bombers sorry, scoring 19 points. I think there's an assumption that that offense will come back. So as we look at the totals on the board right now, um, you can see that there's an expectation that we're going to see a little more right. offense in the CFL this week. 47 point, 47. I love it. That's, that's a good over under. I'm going it with is. the over. I'm going with the over. <laughs> I hope we see 60. That'd be wild. Lots of good stuff in the CFL. But the other thing um, that we also want to talk about a little bit was tennis. Because the National Bank Open is going on in Toronto and Montreal right now. You're a big tennis fan. And there's some some good stories coming out of that. You know, I am a big tennis fan. And, you know, I, I find, for me anyway, and I'm sure most other Canadians feel this way, but tennis is so much better when there's good Canadian talent playing, right? And I think that it, uh, men, uh, tennis, Canadian tennis generally is just in such a good spot right now. Of course, Bianca Andrescu is a fellow Mississauga in that's uh, I'm going to put on for my city because I'm a Mississauga boy as well. So shout out to Bianca. Um, but the fact that, you know, she's you know playing so well and is the defending champion of the Rogers Cup, which is now the National Bank uh, uh, tournament going on right now. And then the U.S. Open upcoming in the next little bit, I think in the next couple of weeks, actually. And she's the defending champion there as well. It's it's a really exciting time for Canadian tennis. Uh, I know it was a tough day for men's tennis yesterday with uh, Chapeau and Felix both uh, both going down, unfortunately. Um, I mean, it's interesting, those expectations that come along. I know Chapeau made it to the semifinals of Wimbledon, right? I mean, that I can't imagine the amount of pressure that comes along with that. And, you know, and, and, and he's done very well in this tournament in the past. But I think you're judged based on, like golf, you're judged based on how you do in the majors. So let's see how he, he performs at the U.S. Open uh, kind of in a couple of weeks. I'm not sold on Chapeau yet. I, I heard his comments before this uh, tournament got underway. I think he had a bye going into it. He said he had a ton of confidence um, after Wimbledon, which makes sense. He's, I think he said, I'm a big threat. I can play with anybody now. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, thought it, I thought it was a lot. And then he gets ousted in the first match. So yeah. I, I'm not, I feel like something is not quite right. There. I know you have to have confidence. I totally understand that. But are you are you there yet? Are you a big threat? Are you ready to play with the big boys? I'm not so sure. There's a difference between having confidence and saying I've I've arrived. Right. Yeah. That's a that, that that's a little bit of a difference. That, that that's a statement versus kind of a kind of a feeling. And I, so I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I you know I he didn't play very well for sure. Right. I mean I, I watched some of that match yesterday. A lot of unforced errors. A couple of double faults when you shouldn't really have double faults like on break points and such. Um, but hopefully, you know, he gets it back together and, and, uh, and, and gets rolling for the U S open. Uh, but there is a lot of good Canadian content still in this tournament. Can I, can we talk about, uh, Rebecca Marino for a second? Because can I, uh, I will say, I didn't know much about Rebecca Marino, uh, uh as of a couple of days ago, but I've been reading in the last little bit and what an amazing story she is. So, um, she was a young tennis, Canadian tennis phenom made it to 38th in the world, apparently in 2011. Uh, and then decided to retire at the age of 22, um, given some mental health issues and some cyberbullying I was reading about mm-hmm. as well. And I know that that takes the forefront a lot now with you know, Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles doing that. But I can't imagine 10 years ago being at 
22 and just entering this, you know, the, 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 the throngs of your career and uh, to have that kind of courage and, and, uh, and kind of just, I don't know, self-awareness to be able to say, I'm, I need to step away from this for my own mental health. Um, I find that to be an amazing story. And then to make the comeback she did in 2017. Right. Uh, and I just, again, reading right now that when she did come back in 2017, she was on the ITF tour and won her first 30 sets consecutively. So it just, you know, came back and, 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 and picked up right where she left off. So um, do you know much about Rebecca it's at all? Wild. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you wouldn't know much because she disappeared for six or seven or years, yeah. eight years or whatever the heck it was. But yeah, this, the, the social media bullying thing was pretty ridiculous. I was reading about some of that and it, it obviously it hit her hard and she did the smart thing and kind of shut it down, took some time off. Um, her dad passed away. She was dealing with depression. Then she had some injuries when she was trying to come back. So it is an incredible story. And now the fact that she's on to the round of 16. Um, and it's, I was, I was watching an interview with her the other day and she's, she is so over that point of her life. Like she said, it just feels so foreign. Like she's a completely different person. Now she dealt with all of those issues. She's in a way better place. Totally. And I guess it's showing on the court because she keeps winning and it's incredible. I think to take that much time off and come back. Like and even what she did during her time off, right? Did you, I, she enrolled at UBC, joined yes. the rowing team, yes. got a degree in English, worked yeah. at her, at her family construction business. Like that, that the amount of stuff she did, during her time off, it wasn't, you know, about going to find somewhere in the, in the, in the Alps and meditate for six years. It was literally live life as you mm -hmm. would normally live life and then come back and be at the top of your game again. I think it speaks amazingly to her kind of fortitude, uh, internal fortitude. It's, it's an amazing story. I think that should be the, the come on moment of this week is we're cheering as hard as we can for, uh, for, uh, for Rebecca Marino in, the, in, the, in, in this tournament and all of her kind of future tournaments going forward. I love it. You have such a knack for picking out the perfect come on moment yes. every week. You nail it. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so Rebecca. Yeah, we will see. Um, I, I hope she can keep it up. I mean, there's, I don't see any reason why she can't at this point. She hits the ball so hard. I don't know if you've ever watched her match yet, but she hit her serve is it's mm -hmm. very, very powerful. And she hits with extreme power from both hands. Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's, it's, it's obviously not the dominance of Serena or the power of Serena, but it's fun, kind of fun to see that when she makes a decision to hit a certain way and she hits it properly, there's, there's not much that the opponent can do about it. So I love seeing the, 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 the overpowering uh, kind of component of her game. So excited to watch her next round. And of course, to cheer on Bianca uh, kind of through this tournament and through the next tournament as well. Yeah. Bianca's looking good as well. She's cruising along. Um, I mean, she's had some dealt with some adversity lately, lots of injuries, COVID uh, new coach, Definitely. but she looks good too. And I, I was watching her interview after the match too. She's, She's so chill, that Bianca. Like, totally. I love her. She's just... Very personable, right? It almost feels like yeah. someone you just want to go talk to and hang out with. She seems very, very down to earth and very approachable. Yeah. So we will be keeping an eye on both of them, cheering for both of them. Um, and we'll see how it if goes. There's one, if there's one more team I could shout out because I'm a Toronto boy, could we please shout out the Toronto Blue Jays for winning 12 of their last 14 games? Um, since coming back home, to the to you know to, to, to the Rogers Center uh have won I think the 29th they came back have won eight of ten I think it is or something like that uh do you put a lot of value in the idea that they're playing better because they're playing at home and they have fans and versus being in Buffalo and do you think there's a real correlation between the two or do you think it's just purely getting hot at the right time and you know all of a sudden playing better now I can't I think it's more getting hot at the right time 
to be honest. I, so it's I not me to... cheering in, in, in the Rogers uh, Center well, in the row with my popcorn in hand. No, I, mean, I think it's, I think it's probably part of it a little bit, but I just, I just yeah. think they're getting hot at the right time. I think they're coming right. together at the right time. I think the schedule is working in their favor and, and, and being at home, that helps a little bit too. Helps. Cherry on the Sunday is where, yeah, yes. their, bat, their bats have come to life over the last couple of games. I know Springer had two home runs last night. Uh, there was yep. a grand slam last night as well. So no, it's a, uh, it, it's an exciting time to be a Blue Jays fan. It always seems though, like why are we always competing against the Red Sox and the Yankees? And it, <laughs> it's, it's such a tough division to be in. Cause now the, it's, it's like a, a three horse race, four horse race for the wild card spot. And of course All we're right. competing with the Red Sox and the Yankees. And you know, it's, it's, it never works out in, in our favor, but I hope, uh, I hope this year will be a little bit different. And, uh, and, uh, and this team is kind of that young upstart team, right? I think, and I think they can hopefully ride that, ride that underdog vibe through the, uh, through the postseason. I really, really hope so. Yeah, that's the tough thing about the AL East. You're always, you're always playing against the best of the best. Rarely are right? and Red Sox not in it or not contenders, right? If, Never if mind Tampa. Never mind Tampa being at the top of the division. Exactly. Right. Yeah. right. Like it's, that's, that's what the Jays, that's what they're dealt with. So they're going to have to figure out how to be better somehow, that's but nice. you're right. It makes it tough every single season. It feels like. Well, these okay. are the dog days of summer. So hopefully they can, they can keep it rolling for the next couple of weeks. Cause when September comes around, then baseball all of a sudden for me anyway, takes yeah. on it. It's, it's like, it's like NHL playoffs versus NHL regular season in February. The level of intensity is just, it's a different game, right? So I think in, for me anyway, when September starts and the, the wildcard races get tight and the divisional races get tight, that's when uh, you really see the, uh, the excitement start in baseball. I'm the same way. I can't do the whole season with baseball. I just can't. It's too long. It's long. It's long. Just too long. And I feel like it's not the dog days of summer right now. I feel like there's so much going on. Maybe it's just me. It feels busier than usual, but I don't know. But you're right. When September hits, then we get going for baseball, at least for me. Then I'm like, okay, here we go. It's, it's, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The races get closer, like you say. So, um, but Absolutely. the Jays, they're, they're too good of they're too good of a story right now, just with all the new talent they have. It's interesting yes. all come together and see this little hot street going on. So uh, yeah, it, things are busy. Things are good right now in the wide world of sports. Um, and NFL okay. starting soon. There we go. NFL starting soon as well. All right. You have to run. Randy Ambrose is standing by. He will be along shortly. So uh, good catching up with you. You as well. Um, have a great rest of the week. Have a great weekend. Looking forward to talking next week. I hope the skies stay sunny in Calgary <laughs> for you. Uh, I and I hope they get, I hope they get sunny in Toronto because the weekend is coming and, uh, and uh, it'd be nice to get out and enjoy the city a little bit. Okay. I will wish you blue sky as well. Thanks. I'll have a Thank great you. weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. See you. Okay, bye. I'm very pleased to welcome our guest uh, for the podcast this week, Randy Ambrosi, the CFL commissioner. So happy to see you, Randy. Grateful that you uh, took the time to uh, join us here. I was thinking the last time I saw you, in fact, I think it was the first time we met was at the airport years ago before COVID when it was actually normal to be at the airport. Do you remember that? I forget where I was going, but you were there with your wife heading somewhere as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do remember that. And yeah, that life was, um, <laughs> normal uh yes. and uh, i look forward to crossing paths again and hopefully before too long and we can all get back to some of those things that uh we used to consider uh, everyday experiences yes well hopefully at a cfl game i think that would be ideal week one is in the books we're off and running here uh you were at the season opener in winnipeg how how good did it feel to see uh the cfl back on the field well, Natasha, like you, I, uh, I spend a lot of my life talking 
And, uh, and I'm never short for words, but I would say being in that stadium was almost for me indescribable. Uh, you know, I just walking up, I, I took, I was, I came from the airport. I took a taxi to the stadium and, uh, seeing all those bomber fans, uh, decked out in their blue, uh, all walking towards the stadium gates, their music was playing and I got out of the car and I, and I'd have to say, I, I don't think it's, uh, I think it would be disingenuous not to say I, I felt a, a real surge of emotion that uh, I just was so happy to be part of it all. And then walking into the stadium and seeing the fans and of course they got to celebrate uh, their 20, their 2019 Grey Cup victory, which was cool for them. Just a great night, just a great night to be part of it. Ratings were up uh, from two years ago. Ratings for the season opener up 31%. What does that say to you about the desire for people to watch football in this country? Well, I think it's incredibly high. Look, we had 3.7 million people watch the first four games of the year. And, you know, Natasha, there are times, and I know you understand this, I think there are times that we are a league that are almost too typically Canadian. We're understated. Um, we almost have too much humility. Uh, we could sometimes benefit from walking with a little bit of a swagger and, uh, when you know there's just not that many things there's just not that many things in canada that can attract uh, a total of 3.7 million viewers and we did it and i and i think it's evidence that football uh, the cfl is very important to canadians and uh, and i think that's something we have to uh, that's something we have to celebrate and build on because, uh, you know, again, sometimes I just think we're just too Canadian in our approach and we could stand to be a little, uh, we could stand to learn a little bit of, um, of swagger. Right. Agreed. You were going up against some tough things too. The Jays were going on, uh, the Olympics. So those were impressive numbers to get that many eyeballs watching the product. People love the CFL in this country. You lost an entire season. How, how difficult was that to stomach? Well, you know, I'd, uh, boy, I'll tell you, it's uh, the, 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 the pain we all felt. And I, I felt personally responsible. You know, I, I, I knew how much people wanted to see us come back, but our ch the challenges of getting back on the field were in some respects insurmountable. Uh, but boy, you know, when we had to make that announcement that day in August in 2020, it was heartbreaking. Uh, but I, but I knew that we could use the time productively. And, you know, first of all, Natasha, you had to put, you know, our, our hardest, most diehard fans were, were disappointed in some cases, angry, but if you put it into its context, the Olympics, which you just mentioned, didn't, you know, didn't happen in 2020. It's the biggest sporting event in the world and it didn't happen. And yet we were being judged, the CFL was being judged as though it, was, it made this awful and tragic, fatal mistake for not playing. But the Olympics didn't happen. Wimbledon didn't happen. Wimbledon's one of the biggest sporting events in the world, and it didn't happen. Lots of things didn't happen. But somehow, we again, in our classically Canadian cocoon, found our way to this idea that somehow it just made us unique and perhaps incompetent and all these other things that were attributed to us. No, you know what? We got swept into the reality of a, of a global health crisis. 
And all I know is that I think we used the time really well. We, we were able to do some retooling of our league. Uh, we made some changes that I think will really be great for us. We put some programs in place that can help all of our teams be more successful. You know, we didn't waste it. Winston Churchill famously said, never waste a crisis. I think we took uh, we took Mr. Churchill's advice and we used it to, uh, you know, for some good purpose. Never waste a crisis. I've never heard that before. I love it. That's great. I'm going to use that. Hopefully there are no more crises going forward. Right. <laughs> so I, I can't imagine, like, obviously you came back with a bang. Things are off and running now. But what was it like to try and deal with the, all the logistics and these new COVID protocols and the different provinces? Um call it a nightmare. Was it a nightmare trying to pull everything together? How did that go? Well, you know, Natasha, this is where uh, perhaps my, the thing I love most about football, I, and I, I'd say this without hesitation, is I do think it is the ultimate team sport. And in fact, uh, we, you know, you know, and I know, cause you, you love the game like I do, you know, no matter how great your biggest star is, your biggest star can't win a game. Everyone has to contribute. And that's, was the story of getting back on the field is it took all nine teams. It took uh, Greg Dick, uh, who is the head of football operations for the CFL and Greg working with two remarkable doctors, Dr. Nadu in Edmonton and Dr. McCormick in Vancouver, who became our co-chief medical officers during this crisis. And you, I think now we can easily say that we have we're punching above our weight and we've got two of the finest doctors in the world serving as our chief medical officers. And then we had a, you know, a group of people all working together. Wade Miller from the Bombers, uh, who worked as part of our, of our return to play medical team, his efforts, and really all, all nine presidents and the members of the league office. So it was, it was a nightmare, but in a way, and again, it brought us together. It, it, it forced us to remind ourselves that it was going to be a team. It was going to be a team effort. I think Greg uh, will be remembered as the guy that quarterbacked that part of our effort and did a spectacular job, worked tirelessly, quite honestly. And, um, and here we are, you know, it, 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 uh, it, we got, we got ourselves back on, we have a really good plan. We had to work really well with the players association as well. That's a part that I think should be pointed out. Uh, that we really have, uh, we've been working hard to find a way to really build that relationship with the players, which is always going to be important. So a lot of people contributed, a lot of people that we owe a debt of thanks to. Bottom line is week one is in the books and we're on the doorstep of week two. There you go. So COVID, I mean, we hope, we wish it was over. It's not, it's still lurking around. You're encouraging um, players to get vaccinated. What's the response been like from the players? Has there been pushback? Or is 100% your goal to get everybody vaccinated? Where, where do things stand with that? Well, I, as you're again watching and we're all observing, uh, you know, society is not fully, not fully aligned on this issue. There are, there are, uh, there are those that uh, are strongly supportive of the vaccination and there are those that are not. We're going to keep, we're going to keep uh, promoting it. We're, you know, we're going to keep educating. We're going to keep talking about it. We want as many of our players to get vaccinated. You know why? Because we know that the science tells us, and certainly I didn't go to medical school, thank goodness, by the way, 
but I, 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 our, our doctors who I would trust with my life candidly are telling us that this is the right thing to do. And so we're going to, you know, we're going to keep encouraging people. We'll keep, we'll keep uh, talking about it in a positive way. Obviously the number one thing is to keep our players safe and healthy, keep our team, uh, our coaches and football operations staff safe and healthy because we want to play 14 games for each team have our playoffs and have a great cup without interruption, Natasha. So yeah, we're just going to keep working hard at it, be positive about it, mm-hmm. encourage as many to get vaccinated as we can. And, um, and then at some point you have to hope for the best. You do everything you can and then you hope for the best. For sure. Uh, you did have, there was a positive case last week already. Sir Vincent Rogers of the Elks confirmed it on Tuesday. So he went on the six game injured list uh, the Friday walkthrough was canceled. Are you satisfied with the way that was handled? Yeah, I am. And it was a good test for us. You yeah. know, did we, you know, because Natasha, what we learned is even in, even as much careful planning as you have, when it happens, there's something unique about each situation. And the question which test revealed the positive result? And then what do you have to do next? And who did that player interact with? Uh, how many other people do you need to test? How quickly can you get test results back? And, and so timing becomes an issue. Getting the test, you know, finding out the, the results on Friday as opposed to Saturday. All of these things are variables. Yeah. But I think, our, I think our group did an exceptional job. I, I know uh, it was an awful lot of stress in Edmonton. Um, and, you know, again, talked a lot uh, to Chris Presson, the, uh, the the CEO and president of the Elks. And I know Chris feels like he learned a lot. And, uh, you know, we talked through the weekend and Greg worked a lot and, and talked to Chris through the weekend. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy with where we got to. We learned a lot. It seems like that's a phrase we're all getting used to. Boy, we learned a lot. Yes. And maybe yeah. that'll be something that'll serve us well uh, into the future. You make a good point. It's maybe it's not such a bad thing that it happened so quickly because like you said, and every situation is so different. You literally have to be prepared for anything. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, uh, how did the boy scouts put it? Uh, be prepared. We're, we're, we're all, we're all living our scouts moments. Uh, yeah. And, and you're, you know, you're right. But you know what it did, uh, it did give us a chance on a positive note, Natasha it did give us a chance to just remind everybody that that's the common enemy right now is the is the virus mm-hmm. and it, it in that we were able to contain it and i and uh and and i'm and I'm, you know i'm hoping uh sir vincent rogers is going to be okay and he's been i've been watching he's been tweeting out some messages and i just want him to be okay and i want him to get uh and i want to get him back on the field because he's a great player by the way like a really great and he plays you know one of the most important positions in all of football he's, he's an offensive lineman uh, so you gotta, you gotta give him a shout out. Uh, but it did give us a chance to remind everybody that, Hey, we've all got to work together at this because this could be the thing that can hurt us. And, uh, yeah, so you gotta, like a lot of things in these last many months, we've learned how to turn a negative into a positive. So we talked a little bit about the fans off the top. It's, it's great to see them back, um, in the seats attendance is a bit of an issue, I would say, for the CFL, um, lagging a little bit over the years. Do you think Do you think COVID will discourage fans from attending games? Or are you worried that's going to hurt attendance even more at all? 
Well, we, we certainly are thinking about it. We're talking to our teams about it. Um, you know, look, we had, had 30,000 people in Winnipeg for the opening night. It was unbelievable to be in that stadium. You know, uh, Friday night in, in Regina at Mosaic, sold out stadium. I know you watched it. It, it literally made you cry. It was so exciting. But everyone's going to react in their own way. I think it's, uh, look, I think people want to come to the games. They want to feel safe. I think, you know, we'll keep working our way through it. But, you know, Natasha, again, uh, you and I talked about this before the show. I, I think we have an opportunity, almost an unprecedented op opportunity. There have been some things that have happening and are happening around this. The Bill C-218, the single game betting legislation is... Uh, it's taught us a lot and not just about wagering. Uh, it taught us a lot about the value of our ecosystem and how wagering can potentially be a tool, but it's taught us about the data and how valuable the data is in, in, and how it can be used to help further our efforts to grow our league. Look, for what it's worth, uh, as tough as the last two years have been, I think there's an argument and it, and it will be hard, but I think there's an argument. We may be at the beginning of the new beginning we've all been looking for. This may be that moment where we take this league to levels of success that are unprecedented. I, I've been talking over the last couple of days with some of our international partners. They are, un, they are remarkably excited about us. We are, and Canadians need to learn this. We are important to the world. We're not the biggest country in the world, but we are important to the world for what we stand for. We are the country that welcomes. Let, let's face it, that's not a universal trait. We are a country, we're not perfect, and we obviously have things that we need to work on, but this is a great place, it's a great culture, and the world, I think, wants to be part of it. In fact, they need more of it. We got to get our Canadian out there and share our Canadian with the world. And I believe in our very multicultural cities, including, including uh, you know, cities like Edmonton. We often talk about Vancouver and Toronto and Montreal, but it's yeah. true of all of our cities. Our cities have been transformed into these remarkable multicultural places. We just need to reach into all of those communities and and. My message to them is come to a CFL game. You'll never feel more Canadian. Go, just come to a game and, and sit with one of your neighbors. You'll never feel more Canadian than coming to a CFL game. It's true. The vibe in the stands is awesome. There's such, uh, there's such a community feeling, I feel, at the CFL games, which you don't get in some other leagues. Absolutely not. So at this point, Randy, I mean, you've dealt with so much. What's your... What's your biggest concern at this moment going forward? Is it COVID? Is it attendance? Is it a great cup being played in December, trying to put up, pull that off? What's, what's on your mind the most these days with the league? Well, it's yes. It's okay. <laughs> I, listen, I, have you been snooping on my to-do list because you, <laughs> yes. Did I hit them all there? Yeah, you know, funnily enough, look, you know, you'd like to say that, hey, Natasha, guess what? I woke up this morning. There's only one thing on my mind. And uh, now for me, there is almost when I wake up, there is almost always just one thing on my mind, breakfast. 
But once you get past breakfast, yes. uh, you open your, you know, you open your laptop with I do, and you open your notepad and you look at that list and it's all of those things. And we're, um, it's going to be a hard year because we're all Canadians. You know, Natasha, one thing I do remind myself, no matter how difficult that, that long that list is and how many challenges there are, you and I both know there's lots of Canadians that have been through worse. Canadians who have lost loved ones, Canadians who have had loved ones who have fallen sick. Yeah, there's been lots of those things. So I just kind of say to myself, you know what? Suck it up, buttercup. Like you have to, you have to know that people are counting on us to do our best and that's what we're going to do. So yeah, look, all of the things on your list and probably a few more that you didn't snoop mm -hmm. and, uh, and we'll deal with it and uh, we'll do our best to come out the other side stronger and, uh, and better than we ever have. Well, you have a difficult job. Um, I think we can all appreciate the work that you're putting in. I think we should end this on a lighter note, though. So you have all these things on your mind, but have you had any chance at all to play any golf at all this summer yet? Well, you know, I, I have, and it is one of my it is one of my favorite distractions. Uh, you know, for me, there is a certain solitude in the in going out on the course, and especially when you get to do it with uh, with family and friends. And I. My wife, Barb, and I like to golf and we get to play from time to time and just walking a golf course together. I've got some great pals that uh, that I like to get out on the course with. And, you know, you play, you hit that little ball and uh, I'm a tee to green guy. I'm, I'm not so much the green itself, uh, but I do uh, I do try to get out and play a little bit because, again, there's something about it that uh, you just get a chance to be in this whole different world. It's very peaceful and, uh, and then when you come off the course, the phone rings and you're, you're right back at it. It is a great four or five hours where you can just put your phone away and just not think about anything. It's tough. If you can do it, then it's amazing. But um, I imagine with everything on your plate, it's probably tough to do that. Yeah, it is. But listen, we should find a time to get out and uh, we'll just play head to head. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, play for a, we'll play for a beer. I think that's I think that's fair. And then maybe we'll both have to concentrate when we get to the green. I think that's a great idea because my putting is atrocious. I was saying before, I never practice it and I always get mad at it. I don't know how I can be mad at it if, if I never actually practice my putting. So I need to work on that part of my game. But well, hey Natasha, I said to the I said to one of the guys in our pro shop that I was thinking I needed a different putter and I was going to go to one of those tall putters. He reminded me of the carpenters or uh, that he's the how does that uh, axiom go that it's a poor craftsman that blames his tools yes yeah <laughs> so he said to me well maybe a lesson instead of a new putter and he said two things the the lesson is cheaper and he also pointed out that he's the one that gets paid to give it oh there you go <laughs> you know lessons are good but it's few too many lessons then you have too many voices in your head and sometimes yeah. that backfire which is what yeah. happened to me this i just moved to calgary like i told you and I, i'm doing some stuff in the golf industry as well and i'm getting a lot of tips from a lot of different directions and it's a lot of noise sometimes which is not the best thing to have on the golf course well you know what natasha i'll give you my tip and okay, it's the one sure. it's the one thing that i think and i got this advice from somebody they said just play when when it's all said and done, just play yeah. and, and, and find the joy in just playing. So I, I find if I play faster and I just am having fun, 
I'm, I find I, first of all, whether I'm shoot well or poorly, I focus on just playing and having a smile. Yeah. That's my tip. That's a great tip. I'm absolutely going to use that tip. Um, The less I think, the better I play is what I find. Just stop thinking, hit the ball. So uh, Randy, I think you should come out here. I think we should catch a stamps game. I think we should golf. We should go in the mountains or something. We'll play, we'll play 18. Um, it would be, be great to see you. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck with the rest of the season. Yeah. And thanks, Natasha. Stay safe and, uh, and uh, best wishes to you and your family. Awesome. Thanks, Randy. You too. Thanks. You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky. Come on.